It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Michael Reed on LMFM. Tony Fitzpatrick is uh, Director of Industrial Relations uh, with uh, the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation. He's on the line. Good morning to you, Tony, and uh, thanks uh, for joining us. I say people are very thankful uh, at what is the most challenging time uh, in the history of uh, the state for all of us, but in particular for frontline staff. Uh, Tell us a a little bit uh, about the challenges that you face and the concerns that you have, but maybe you'd uh, begin by telling us about the concerns that you have for your members, because as it stands, 24% of the confirmed cases are healthcare workers. Yeah, and that's very, very concerning. Um, I suppose we've seen it, and two days ago I would have done a call with colleagues from around the world, um, nursing associations that are dealing with uh, this crisis, and we have colleagues on there from Spain and from Italy, which is now the epicentre um, of this pandemic. And, you know, in Spain, there's 12% of those infected are healthcare workers. Um, the rate here is higher. Maybe it's because there's a smaller sample pool um, at this stage, but it is an issue of grave concern um, to ourselves. There's a number of reasons why we've been putting pressure on the government with regards to ensuring that there's appropriate uh, personal protective equipment available um, to staff where it's re- required. And that's masks um, and gloves and sanitization yeah, so, so. and all that sort of thing. Exactly. So mm. the, the, the transmission of this um, this virus is via your mouth, your nose or, or your eyes. And that's why healthcare workers, you see them wearing masks. We're in discussions with the HSE ensuring that the appropriate standard of mask is provided to staff. And just to simplify that, if in the normal course of events, the surgical mask may be fine. But for some procedures that happen within hospitals, for example, if there's a cardiac arrest, CPR, um, you'll hear of BiPAP and CPAP machines, intubation of patients, ventilators, etc. When those machines are working within hospitals, they aerosol the um, the droplet, and that makes it more contagious. And that's why they have to wear a higher standard of respirator mask uh, when they're dealing in those scenarios. So on, on wards that will be dealing with COVID-19, um, staff need to have the eye protection, they need to have the, the if eye protection is either goggles or visors. They need the FFP2 standard uh, mask if there's aerosol generating uh, procedures and the other masks if not. And then obviously they need long sleeve gowns, they need gloves and hand hygiene and all the normal barrier um, work is required. But when you're going in to care for patients that have COVID-19, um, you know you have to don and off. That's take on and put put on and take off. Uh, this equipment that takes time mm. that's why rosters need to be supplemented and and you know it's a heroic effort by staff presently 
getting ready for COVID-19. Staff are shutting down non-essential services, they're redeploying mm. um, to areas of, of greatest need. You see the drive-through in DKIT, the community in, in Mead, in Navan, in Oldcastle, where community nurses are now doing the testing mm. process. You know, 90% of the testing been done now has been done by uh, community nurses in the community setting. And bracing uh, yourself for the front line and uh, the terrible things that you're going to see on the front uh, because uh, it is going to be awful. We know that from other countries. It's going to be particularly awful here. 80% of people who get this uh, will not really have any uh, effect from it. Uh, they may feel a little bit unwell in some cases. Uh, other people will feel very unwell, uh, but they'll be grand. But it's the 6% who get the pneumonia. Uh, and yes, the associated and, and, diseases. And we do and, not have the capacity. The capacity here in this country is at the lowest level in Europe. Well, the, the reality for critical care beds is that we have five per 100,000. Um, the European average is 10 per 100,000. Um, Italy, for example, which has, has seen the massive influx, they had 12 per 100,000. That's 12 critical care beds or intensive care beds. Um, per 100,000 of the population. So Italy were well-equipped and mm. we've seen how they've been overwhelmed. And so they could cope with 18% of uh, the COVID-19 patients needing that type of care, whereas we can cope with just 6%. Yeah, and uh, this is this is going to be a major challenge, a ma- major struggle. We know from 2008, it was identified that we needed to double our critical care beds. Um, at that time, we had around 230. We now have about 250. There are plans, though, um, using the private sector and as well as reallocating, uh, using the theatres that aren't being used to house ventilators, using coronary care units um, to increase the critical care uh, bed capacity. But we're in a race against time with regards to that to ensure that we have that in place. And then when you have the ventilators in place, which there's a supply chain of ventilators coming in, you then have to have the staff and currently staff that aren't now working in intensive care units but may have worked in them in the past are redeploying, they're upskilling, they're training in order to look after for these patients. But you're mm-hmm. right, the influx, and that's why it's so important. People, you know, can there can be a lull and people think we can relax. Absolutely not. This is just starting. We're beginning to see the increase in the number of people presenting to emergency departments with respiratory distress. The COVID-19 is a nasty bug when it gets down into your lungs and it puts severe pressure on patients. And if you look at the stats from the HSE, mm. the, the, those people aged between 30 and 50, um, and even could go lower to 25, the majority mm. of people in critical care, um, or 40% of them, are in that mm. age bracket. And you won't be able to breed without ventilation, and the problem that the healthcare workers will face is if there's one ventilator and two patients or ten patients, who do you choose to keep alive? Uh, but and, and, and that's unprecedented. Yeah. Um, in the Irish setting, um, I've talked to my colleagues in Italy, it is very difficult for the staff there, but decisions like mm. that will arise and it's extremely difficult for the frontline staff. The key thing, I suppose, for us, we need to protect the frontline workers, ensure they mm. have the personal protective equipment to allow them to care for these patients. We can't continue at the rate of attrition. We can't continue to have 25% of the people infected 
uh, being healthcare workers. We need to do better than that okay. and protect those staff. T- and we're t- sure Tony, the more equipment coming. Tony, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for talking over you, but no we, we, we've just got a, a minute or two left, and I, I do want to reiterate that people are calling us to say thanks to all of the nurses and all of the frontline medical staff. Uh, Anne has been in touch, and she tells us that her daughter uh, works as a, a frontline medical uh, person, and uh, that she was in the supermarket and people stepped forward and paid her bill. And I think that's probably an indication of how thankful people are for the work that's being done. Uh, before you leave us today, uh, maybe you can uh, advise us, uh, because uh, you're talking to us there about the challenges you and your members face, and we're in awe uh, and very thankful. Uh, but what can people do to help you? Well, well what, what they can do, the most important thing is they need to stay at home. They need to flatten the curve. Um, they need to ensure proper etiquette, hand washing, wiping down surfaces, all of those things. Just think about it. If you go out and you cough in your hand or whatever it is and you touch a door handle, it is knowing that this, this, this virus can live uh, for up to three days on inanimate objects, so like a door handle. So it's vitally important that people stay at home and wash their hands and do what's necessary with regards to that. We really do have to try and flatten this because our health service is really going to struggle. And this is going to be unprecedented. And it's happening. We can see the increase in cases is starting to happen. And it's, it, it, is, it is of historic importance that people take the advice, stay at home, wash their hands, stay in their pods, their collective families, etc. Avoid going out if at all possible. Of course, people have to get supplies. But designate someone to do it. Make sure they do it correctly. Wash their hands before they go out. Their cough etiquette and all the rest with regards with regards to that. It is so so important that people do that because if they don't do that, they're putting at risk their loved ones. They're putting at risk their families. They're putting at risk people in their communities. But ultimately, as well, the healthcare workers are being put at risk as well because they can't walk away from this fire. They're walking back towards this fire, and they're looking at the government back them up and ensure that they have the fire hose or the fire retardant equipment or what is just the, pers- the, the personal uh, protective equipment so they can do their job. That's the okay. most important thing that the government can do for healthcare workers. But okay. what the community can do is protect everybody else. Assume you have COVID-19 and behave as if you have it and that would be the best thing you could do. And um, don't give it to somebody else because you have assumed you have it. Tony Fitzpatrick, Director of Industrial Relations with the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation. Thank you very much. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.